All right. Good morning, Cultivate Church family. Uh, good morning to those that are watching online. Um, it's so blessed to be here on this Sunday. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Yesterday was Veterans Day, and I just want to thank you all um, that served this country. Uh, we are in debt to you for the freedom that we have, and we are so grateful for your service. Um, and, uh, and we just really appreciate um, all the military veterans um, that protect us and have protected us um, over the years. I am so grateful for your service. Thank you. Uh, we just wrapped up a few sermons on, uh, we just wrapped up some sermons on, um, we actually went into, uh, well, sorry. <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about the authority of the Bible. Uh, we're going to talk about three main points um, that we'll have up here. Um, the three main points for the authority of the Bible is going to be, we're going to talk about medical and scientific facts um, that are found in the Bible. We're going to talk about archaeological evidence. And we're going to talk about prophecy that proves the Bible's authority. Um, I lost my train of thought there for a minute. Uh, we had been talking about surviving our wilderness. Uh, and we went and talked about Jesus in the wilderness and Joseph in the wilderness and Moses in the wilderness um, to give us a clear, clear biblical understanding that whenever we're in the wilderness, whenever we're in the storm, whenever we're really going through it, God is with us. That was the main big idea um, through those sermon series. So I hope you enjoyed them. Um, they are available on YouTube, uh, our channel. So this is really, really important, this authority of the Bible, because we live in a day and age in a world where um, there's so much misinformation, right? There's so much misinformation in the media. Uh, we have a demonic presence in movies, um, in Hollywood, um, in music, um, uh, on the Internet, on social media. There's a lot of misinformation. So it's very, very important for us to um, be able to prove that the Bible is authoritative. So this is um, very much apologetics 101, because these are the things that the Lord wants us to hold on to and understand and know. So this is great stuff for us to learn and equip us for when we're talking to people um, out on the streets, talking to people at work or wherever we may go. It's critical to be able to defend our faith. You know, our goal today is to be able to defend our faith apologetically and to also teach others that the Bible is authoritative. So defending our faith apologetically means that we are able to defend and justify our Christian beliefs, right? Christian apologetics aims to show belief in Christianity is uh, rational, but it's compelling but it's also backed by evidence. Um, and so there's some really great apologetics, uh, apologists that are out there. I'm just going to name just a couple um, that they're on YouTube. You can go to their websites. They've written many books. Um, but there's four that I've really liked that have really helped me to solidify um, the evidence that God exists 
the evidence that the Bible is real and authoritative and the absolute truth. Um, one of them is William Craig. Um, he re he's a research professor of philosophy and theology. He has uh, some amazing debates um, against atheists on YouTube with millions of views on there. So um, he totally destroys atheist debates. Um, he is uh, a man of God that is uh, really gifted with his arguments to um, show and prove God's existence, the resurrection of Jesus, and the truth of Christianity. So go ahead and check him out. Another one of my favorite um, apologists of all time is uh, the late author and speaker, Ravi Zacharias. He focused on intellectual um, skeptics by showing Christianity as the most uh, reasonable worldview addressing existing questions. So he just really was really gifted in the way that he could articulate and explain um, the existence of God and the existence of Jesus and the resurrection. Um, a lot of his videos are still on YouTube. Check them out. Another one that I like is Alistair McGrath. He's a prolific theologian and scientist. Um, and he was an atheist. And uh, he came uh, uh, to believe that God is real, that God exists um, scientifically, because he was a scientist and an atheist first. But the more he did his research, the more science lined up with the Bible. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. And just one more. There's many greats. I didn't name them all. I just named a few. Is uh, Lee Strobel. He's a best-selling author. Um, he's very popular. Um, he's also on YouTube. Uh, you can find him on there. Uh, but he, ha he had a legal background. Um, and so he's just really good at making compelling evidence um, to prove the case for Christ, um, the case for Jesus, and the truth of the Gospels. Um, so you'll want to check those out. They use history, science, philosophy, and reasoning to prove the existence of God and to prove who Jesus Christ is. There's overwhelming evidence. Okay, so I do want to share with you um, about sola scriptura. Does anybody know uh, what that means at all? Have you heard that before? This here? Go ahead to the next slide. Uh, it means scripture alone. It is the supreme authority. And believe it or not, People are debating if this is um, debate that this is false that that you that that scripture is false, right? But this term, uh, scripture, sola scripture, <clears throat> what it basically means is the doctrine of this is that scripture is alone. Uh, the Bible is divinely inspired and infallible. Okay, uh, most non-denomination churches, um, Protestant denominations and Pentecostal denominations believe in this, right? That scripture alone is authoritative, that it is a sole authoritative source of Christian faith right here, this right here. Now, Pentecostals believe in the continuation of spiritual gifts, like the speaking of tongues, like prophecy, um, and they still subject these practices to the teachings and the authority of scripture um, so we look to scripture to see that um, spiritual gifts, healing, deliverance, casting out demons, all this stuff is in the Bible, right? Um, this is an argument for cessationism. Uh, this is an argument for the authority of Christ. That can come later in the future. Uh, so 
Pentecostals and most non-denominational uh, churches uh, reject church tradition as an authoritative source equal to the Bible. Uh, we believe that tradition must be tested and submitted to the teachings of the Bible. Um, open Bible churches specifically hold to the statement of faith, which affirms that the Bible is infallibly um, authority in all matters of faith and practice. Um, it is infallible. It was in, inherent. It, there is no errors in the Bible. Um, we believe that the Bible is the truth, that it is authoritative. Okay, We hold firm to sola scriptura, affirming the Bible as a supreme authority of faith and practice as Christians. So sola scriptura is this Latin phrase that means scripture alone. It is a key belief for us Christians, okay? Unlike Catholicism, which also considers Christian tradi uh, church tradition and teachings to be authoritative, um, Protestants and, and non-denominationals and Pentecostals, we believe that sola scriptura, uh, we believe that the Bible is solely infallible. It is the rule of our faith. Um, it contains everything needed for salvation. There's no other book that you need. There's no other sermon that you need to listen to. Um, salvation can come uh, by knowing and reading the scriptures alone. So let's get to the first uh, main point for today, um, and that would be the medical and scientific facts found in the Bible. I'm just going to go right through some scriptures here. We're just using the Bible alone to prove medical and scientific facts. Okay, so the very first one is um, there was quarantine principles for infectious disease in Leviticus 13.46. We can see that right here. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Thousands and thousands of years ago, the Bible taught that you need to be separated and quarantined away from everyone else so that they would not get sick, okay? The next scripture, the effectiveness of washing hands. We see this in Mark 7, 2. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. So we see that we're supposed to wash our hands before we eat. This is, again, in the Bible thousands of years ago, right? The next one, Psalm 8, 8. Talks about ocean currents and the paths in the sea. The birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. That's in Psalms 8 8. Again, we see a description of these paths and currents in the sea thousands and thousands of years ago, before we really could see what lies beneath the surface of the ocean, right? All right, so the next one, uh, the shape of the earth as a sphere. Isaiah 40, 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. So we see here the circle of the earth, okay? I know there's a lot of flat earthers out there, um, but 
This is saying circle. All right, let's go. Next one, the number of stars being too vast to count. There was a time where there was an argument that there was only like 10,000 stars, right? But now that we have more advanced um, technology, we know that we cannot count the stars, right? But there was a time where there was a theory that they argued a few hundred years back that there was only a limited amount of stars. But now we're able to see with telescopes and stuff that there are more stars in the galaxies than we can ever even count. So that's where this Bible verse, Isaiah 40, 22, it says, it is he who sits a, no, that's not the right one. The stars, Jeremiah 33, 22. There you go. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who ministered to me. So again, we see that the host of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured. It just shows us that it's too vast of stars to count. Next is Leviticus 17, 11. Okay. This shows that blood is the source of life and the source of our health. In the Bible, we see that in Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. It's so true because Leviticus 17.11 talks about the blood as a source of life and health. Without blood, we cannot live, right? But also without the blood of Jesus Christ, we cannot have atonement for our sins. And he ended up being the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Amen? All right. The next one is the importance of rest for our health. There is a lot of medical evidence that shows the importance of sleep, right? The importance of eating healthy. If we don't do these things, we could have serious uh, health problems and consequences. So the next verse, uh, Exodus 28 through 11 says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord in the, for in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So there you see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, we see the importance of resting. Okay, If the Lord labored for six days and then rested on the seventh, he is showing us that we should also rest as well, and it's important. And he instituted the Sabbath long, long, long time ago. 
get your rest and get your sleep. Next is Psalms 139. I actually love, 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 love this verse. Because God speaks to you in this verse. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. So you see early description of human development in the wound thousands and thousands of years ago, right? Which is incredible. Next is Psalm 1815. And in this Psalm, we see the existence of rivers, lakes, and valleys in the ocean. Verse 15 says, Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Next, we see the existence of water paths and ocean currents in the seas. Psalm 8 8. It says, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Very descriptive, uh, descriptive there, talking about the paths in the sea. Only God could know these things. That's, that's the thing. Only the Lord can, could, could know these things, and only God could guide the people that wrote the Bible. Um, through the Holy Spirit. So write that. Okay, we're going to talk next about the hydrologic cycle of water. We see the cycle of water in the first scripture is Ezekiel 1.7. Here in the Bible it says, all streams, but, yes, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1.7, all streams run to the sea but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. That's incredible. All right, the next verse is Isaiah 55, 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but the water, the earth, making it bring and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So we see here the process from the rain and the snow coming down, but it does not return, but the water to the earth making bring forth and sprout. So we see the cycle and the rotation of water from the sky to the ground. The circulation of air patterns, we see that in Ecclesiastes 1.6. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. 
and on its circuits the wind returns. So there's just several examples of medical and scientific um, evidence in the Bible that show um, that the Bible is authoritative. It has been tested over time and time again. It's been the most scrutinized book uh, that ever written. You know, there, there's people always trying to debunk the Bible. There's people always trying to argue that it's false, that um, it was man-made and all this and that. And um, this is part one. So there is going to be a part two where I'll talk to you more about the Bible is breathed out by God. It is inspired work of God, and I'll explain that to you at a later time. Um, but right now we're going to move into the second part of the three main points of today's sermon. The second part is archaeological evidence. So we're going to take a look at archaeological evidence that proves the authority of Scripture, that backs what the Bible says we have real historical and archaeological findings that that line up with Scripture, okay? So I want to talk to you just a brief moment about this Codex um, Sinaiticus, which is next. Should be a picture. Okay, here it is. This is uh, a picture of a Codex that was handwritten in the 4th century. So this is just... Um, the way that they were able to now you understand like in Judaism like before Christ they wrote on scrolls right so this is now after um, the temple was destroyed and here you see the handwritten uh, Greek codex right now there's over 5,800 fragmented Greek manuscripts of the New Testament that we have today that we have in museums and in churches and stuff like that. There's over 10,000 Latin manuscripts, okay, and thousands of other ancient languages, um, uh, Syriac, Coptic, Gothic, Ethiopic, and Armenian copies, okay, of the New Testament. There's no other work of the ancient world that has more evidence um, than, than what we have here versus any other book right? Um, at all, there's by far. So in summary, there's thousands upon thousands of ancient New Testament manuscripts um, that help us reconstruct the original text to a very high degree of confidence. We can be assured and know that the New Testament is authoritative because we have so much overwhelming evidence that proves that it is authoritative. So next is a picture of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, I kind of wanted to show you this because this was a scroll that they rolled up that they found in the Qumran caves. Now, now they found the Dead Sea Scrolls through a period of years, starting in 1947 um, through 1956. Uh, they found these Jewish texts, which were the oldest existing Old Testament manuscripts um, so this was a very, very significant discovery because they found almost a complete scroll of Isaiah. Okay, why is that important? Because it was almost, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years older than the previous scroll that they had. 
And what they realized is not one character in Hebrew was changed. Like they, they were able to transmit hundreds of years later, and it was still intact and still the same, um, very, very accurate, um, handed down Isaiah. Okay. Overall, the Dead Sea Scrolls open an unprecedented window into the development of the Old Testament, Second Temple Judaism, and historical contexts that rise to Christianity. So you know, there's a lot of evidence that came out of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It is one of the most significant findings of our time. The next is the Tel Dan Steli. There's a picture of it right here. Why is this significant? Because this stone here has a description right there that says, King of Israel, House of David. And the reason why that is so important is because outside of the Bible, there was no evidence that King David was the king in Israel. There was no evidence about the House of David at all outside of the Bible. Okay. And then this was discovered that shows the king of Israel, house of David, right there, right? So this is very significant. This was found around 1993, 1994 in northern Israel. It dates all the way back to the 9th century BCE. Um, this was erected by an Armenian king. So this was a part of a, a larger monument that must have been destroyed. Um, and they found a fragment of it. Um, so this is the first ancient extra-biblical reference to David, indicating that he actually had a dynasty in Israel and was the king. Okay. Next up, we have um, the Pilate Stone. This is really cool. This, this stone here is the only evidence outside of the Bible that mentions Pontius Pilate, okay? We all know who Pontius Pilate is, right? He was the one that governed um, as the prefect of Judea during the time of Jesus, right? So we see that in the gospel stories. He's mentioned several times, Pontius Pilate, right? Um, he was the one who oversaw Jesus's trial, and ultimately he was sentenced to death by crucifixion. So the name Pontius Pilate is written right here on this stone, which gives us just some evidence. This was discovered in 1961. The next one is um, Caiaphas Ossuri. This is really pretty, really neat. This dates back to the first century. This dates back to the time of Jesus. And this was discovered like in 1990 or something like that in Jerusalem. Um, it has been studied very, very extensively because this is a very, very important discovery in Christianity because it actually says Joseph, son of Caiaphas, carved on the limestone box. He is mentioned in the New Testament as the high priest who organized the plot to arrest and kill Jesus. So we see him in Matthew chapter 26. We also see him written in John 11. So the, this is just more evidence that proves that these stories in the gospel 
are real because there's real evidence that shows you the real names that are there. The next picture we have is the Pool of Siloam. This is really neat. Uh, this is the actual place where Jesus healed the blind man. Remember, he put mud on his eyes and told him to wash it out. Yep, right there. So that's the actual place, um, the monumental stairway pool where Jesus healed a blind man. This story is in John chapter 9. Uh, this is mentioned several times in the New Testament. And so this is a, a great tangible evidence of the ancient structures um, that existed during the time uh, of Jesus. We see it right there. Um, that is really cool, really neat. This is still available to see today. You know, so in summary, there's now look, there I could go on and on and on. I just touched on some of the most significant ones, but there literally have been, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of archaeological um, discoveries over um, thousands of years um, that that show the authority of Jesus, but the authority of the Bible, right? Um, there's a lot of evidence that demands the case for Christ, that he is real. Um, and I will go into more about that um, during part two. We'll talk about Jesus, the Messiah. We'll talk about the evidence um, of the resurrection um, later. I just wanted to really touch base on medical and scientific evidence and archaeological evidence. But there's a lot more evidence there. I'm just giving you um, a brief description of some. But the third piece for today is prophecy. Prophecy is so important um, in the Bible. And I'm just going to give you just a few examples of prophecies that came true in the Bible. So we'll, we'll get to the next slide here. Um, and that's Prophecy proves the Bible's authority. Number three, Isaiah 5, 3, or 53, 5. This prophecy right here. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So this describes the Messiah. This describes Jesus. He gives us peace because he was pierced. He was crushed. His wounds, we are healed. This is a very pivotal, pivotal uh, prophecy in the Bible that spoke of this Messiah to come and what would happen. That just proves that Jesus is the Messiah. The second scripture that I'll share with you here is Psalm twenty-two, sixteen. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. That talks explicitly of him being pierced in his hands, in his feet, right? The crucifixion on the cross. That was prophesied. In Psalm 22. Daniel chapter 9 predicts the exact timing of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the Messiah. So this is really incredible because it shares the exact timing of this taking place. 
Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. Next is Micah 5.2. In Micah 5.2, it prophesies that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So there we see the prophet Micah prophesying of this Messiah to come who will be born in Bethlehem. Next, we're going to see a prophecy that foretells Jesus' virgin birth. This is in Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And there we see the prophet Isaiah speaking of the foretelling of Jesus Christ's virgin birth. Mary gave birth to Jesus as a virgin which we get to celebrate that story and to celebrate the birth of Jesus in not too long from now, just a few weeks, next month. All right, Zechariah 11, 12 through 13, prophesies 30 pieces of silver. Okay, we all know the famous story in the Gospels about um, Judas's betrayal, right, for 30 pieces of silver. Well, here in Zechariah 11, Verse 12, it says, Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages. But if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. So overall, there's 300 prophecies about Jesus that were precisely fulfilled in the New Testament. Okay? In total, this was a supernatural feat that only could come by divine appointment. Okay, this shows you because of these prophecies, um, and there's many, many, many more. I just highlighted just a few about Jesus, but that shows the authority, authority in the Bible. It really does. Um, there's no question, you know, with over 300 prophecies uh, that Jesus, about Jesus, you know, we look at the medical evidence we look at the scientific evidence you know we look at all this stuff the archaeological evidence you know all of these insights into the bibles into the bible centuries ahead hundreds and hundreds of years ahead of of time that just proves right there that god is real that god is divine right the bible's not fake as much as the world wants to portray it as fake as much as people want to believe that God is not real, that God is dead. I read a study that over 60% of Americans believe that hell is not real, right? 
They don't even know. That's kind of alarming to me. I want you to consider the undeniable authority of the Bible and use some of this evidence when you're talking to people about your faith, right? When you're talking to people, let them know that there's medical, there's scientific, there's archaeological evidence, there's prophecies that have been fulfilled over and over and over again. We can prove the Bible's authority. So as we stand here today and we can read our Bibles, we have that freedom. That's so amazing um, to be in America, to be in a land where we have freedom, right? To carry our Bibles with us, to read them freely. There's countries around the world where there's Christians are being persecuted, where Bibles are being destroyed, um, religion is being suppressed. They don't have the freedom to believe in Christ, like in North Korea and in China and in Russia and among other nations and countries. The Bible is suppressed. It is not freely available to be read. We have to be grateful for our freedom and uh, the ability to be able to read the Bible whenever we want. Okay, I take my Bible with me wherever I go. Like I have a Bible in my truck. I have a Bible in my car. <laughs> See, you got your Bible right there. I got my Bible right here. I, I carry my Bible like I'm a baby with my blanket, right? We all know like babies like to hold on to their blankets, right? Like every baby has that one baby blanket that they just hold on to. Uh, I think my son had like 12. I'm like, dude, you got to like cut that down. We can't take 12 blankets in the car with you. He wanted all of these blankets, you know, the, the deer blanket, the bear blanket, the car's blanket, like all these different blankets, right? Well, I'm like that with my Bible. I want to carry this thing with me wherever I go. And I encourage you to take it with you too. Take that thing with you when you go to work, put it in the car, always have this Bible, man. This is, this is what we have to hold on to. And there's so much evidence in here that proves our faith, right? So we have a solid foundation uh, of our faith because of the Bible. So I hope that you're convicted today by the message that the Bible is authoritative. Um, and I just want to close in prayer. Okay. So church family, we just lift up you, God. We thank you, O oh Lord. We thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you because you. we know that you were in control. We thank you for loving us when we didn't love ourselves. We thank you for giving us the Bible and giving us uh, the books in the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible that were totally breathed out by you, total inspiration uh, to teach us, to minister to us, to help us, to equip us, to guide us, Lord God, on how to live life for you right now, Lord God. This is our manual. This is our instruction. This is what helps us to be like you, Lord God. Lord God, I just pray that we can be teachable, that we can be uh, willing and obedient to learn from you, Lord God, and that those things that you reveal to us in the Bible, that we can take those things and we can pass those down to our children. We can pass those down to our grandchildren. We can pass these things down to the next generation, Lord God, that we can take this Bible and spread it all throughout the world, that your gospel will go forth to all nations,
to all people groups, in and out of prisons and jails, to the streets, wherever your people are, Lord God. We just pray that your Bible and the gospel message goes forth, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you so much, Lord God. Lord God, if there's anybody listening to this sermon today and they don't know you, Lord God, I invite you to reveal yourself to them. I invite you, if you're listening today and you don't know Jesus, to repent of your sins, to ask God to personally come into your life, make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, believe and confess with your mouth and your heart that Jesus died, Christ died on the cross and he was resurrected from the dead and he died for you, for your sins. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to teach you to live a new life. Put away the old person. Crucify that old person. You have a new identity in Christ. Your identity is not in your past. It's not in your sin. It's not in your case. It's not in your charges. Your identity is in Jesus Christ, the one who died for your sins to give you salvation. It's a gift from God. He paid the penalty on the cross. Your debt has been forgiven. I pray that you pray for your sins to be forgiven, for you to have a personal relationship with Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you back again next week. Oh, what a great Pastor Jane. Um, we have some announcements for you this morning, so uh, bear with me as we um, go over those. Uh, the announcements this morning, we, we definitely have outreach opportunities for you. Um, street ministry, uh, we have prayer walks, kindness, Prison ministry, nursing home visits that we do, feeding uh, the homeless, and hospital visits. Visit. These are all opportunities that you can get plugged in um, to contact us, reach out to us. Uh, there's many different ways that you can contact us by phone. Our web address, uh, wearecultivatechurch.org.com. Uh, those are just opportunities that we have available to you to come alongside of us. Uh, the homeless outreach, we have an Amazon wish list. This is where you can uh, find out what it is that we need for Blessing Bay. Uh, this stuff will come straight to our address as we uh, bless the Blessing Bay. We put those together. Uh, we hand those out to our homeless uh, outreaches that we go out and do. Uh, these are just some um, pictures. You can find some of that information on our Facebook page, on our website. We definitely have um, a great time, blessed both of us, fortunate us. But also, these are just some um, opportunities that we that we have. Um, every fourth Sunday, we go to Normandy Nursing Home. And we preach the gospel. Um, we love on them. We give them the clothing um, that they that they are desperately need of. We give them love on them right where they are. Um, community gatherings, we have both in our home every first and third Thursday of the month. Six o'clock, we put on a dinner. Um, usually, um, Shane cooks, but I have the blessing to cook this Thursday, and I'm going to be uh, bringing chicken and dumplings this week. So, you know, the cold season is in uh, full force, and we would love to have you there. 
So from 6 to 6.30, we put on a dinner. And uh, from 6.45 to 7.45, we uh, break down the Bible. So I think this week we're, we're in Acts something, 14, 18, something. Anyway, we're in Acts. So come, be with us, be in the Word, and be blessed. Um, we also put on a Bible study every, let's see here, second and fourth Wednesday from 7 to 8. Again, this is all information that you can find on our website or on our Facebook page. Um, come be a part of what Cultivate Church is doing in our community, outreaches, you know, just as we love on each other. Right where we are in life, walking out life with one another. Uh, we're all going through something. We just, this is a huge part of who we are, who Cultivate Church is. Um, you have the opportunity to um, have our text number uh, where you can put a prayer request, uh, whatever that might be. That number is 844-578-1855. Save and text this number. Um, Jane has been given the opportunity um, to uh, his podcast, Kingdom Minded, which is on YouTube. Uh, if you have not plugged into that, I really, really encourage you to do so. He's had a number of uh, individuals who have came onto that podcast that have just blessed them. Um, and he's actually taken it into uh, the prison. So there's an opportunity for us to serve the prison. And so if you're wanting to help be a part of that, to help bless that, we're um, definitely in need of a little bit more donation to make this a possibility to get this into the prison. Um, you know, with Shane's background of being in the prison, it's definitely something that will bless uh, the inmates. So there's a QR code there. Um, you can scan this QR code. It'll take you right to the fundraiser. We have raised $1,500 of the $3,000 that I'm wanting to raise to pay for the publishing fees to put Kingdom Minded Podcast um, in over 350 prisons and jails in the United States, uh, Kingdom Minded Podcast and our Cultivate Church sermons will be streaming on over 1 million tablets in the United States. And there's you can go right to our church website, wearecultivatechurch.com podcast, where you can give a donation of five or ten dollars or a hundred, whatever the Lord has put on your heart, or you can scan the code right here. Okay, thank you so much. So let's see here we got um next weekend. Um Shane has the privilege to go into the prison. So every Sunday, Shane goes into the prison, but that's Mean that you should not be here Sunday morning for Cultivate Church. Next weekend, we have a special guest speaker, um, Jim Boone, who is coming. He's, uh, he has a recovery home um, all over. So he's, he has women and men, uh, faith-based transitional housing. So he's coming to speak next weekend. I'm not sure if he's bringing anyone within the home, but it's going to be a great weekend, a great Sunday to be here to hear from Jim Boone and what he's doing in the community. Uh, so we would love to have you here. Um, we also are 
teamed up with Prison um, Fellowship and um, Angel Tree um, to bless children that uh, their parents are incarcerated. So we, we have Angel Tree um, children that we are uh, blessing this year. We're going to go and we're going to share the gospel with them, give them Bibles, give them presents for their from their parents that are incarcerated. So team up with us on that. More information. Um, you can uh, be with us at our community gatherings to pull angels off the tree because that's where we're pulling the angels from is our community gatherings. Um, also, I just wanted to let you know that we have invited cards table so these are um, invites that you can give to people that you meet um, let them know about Pacific church that they belong here come as you are seriously we want to do life with every single person um the welcome cards uh in the back we also have connect cards um fill it out put it in the prayer box we would love to connect with you um, there's also a gift at the back table for you to take home we also have a prayer box. So if you are needing prayer, you can put that into our prayer box. But also, if you would love prayer, we would love to pray for you right after prayer day. Um, and there's three ways to give to this ministry. Four ways to give to this ministry. We have an offering box at the back table with a QR code that you can give. You can give online at wearecultivatechurch.org.com. Or you can mail it to the P.O. Box, which is 1162 St. Charles, 602. And uh, we just we thank you for your giving. We thank you that we're able to meet in this space every Sunday. We are thankful for the outreach opportunities that we are able to do um, in our communities, but also in the city where it is needed. The Lord has blessed Cultivate Church tremendously. We will continue on to serve the Lord's church and whatever it is that He is. The Lord, we thank you so much for the, the tithe that come in, the offering that is given to Cultivate Church. We ask that you bless those givers, Lord, maybe financially, maybe um, help, or maybe um, blessings upon blessings, Lord. They have somebody come to know you through their giving, through the opportunity that they have to give to your church to build your church up. You want to build your church. We thank you so much for each person um, here at Cultivate Church and um, online. Thank you for the people who give online. We could not do ministry without you and your faithfulness. Thank you so much. In 